Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. I would like to talk to you today about when sitting down is standing up. The subject was first raised in the USA of the 1960s civil rights movement when students took to sitting in at ice cream counters in protest against segregation and Jim Crow that refused to serve black people at these concessionaires. The students would just go to the ice cream counters and sit in and wait there to be served. In this way, they stood up to racism and broke the back of segregation. Before that, its historical pedigree belonged to Rosa Parks, a woman taking a bus home after work in the American South, who was told to get up from her seat so that a white man could get the seat. She refused to get up. She sat down and so stood up for her right. The specific application of the passive resistance and what Martin Luther King Jr and before him Mahatma Gandhi of India called soul force has had many incarnations and many variations through which oppressed people who were overmatched in terms of the power they had when compared to the power that they were up against called on moral force and their willpower and determination in order to erode and undermine the power of the powerful. Our thoughts today are upon a story in the Old Testament book of Genesis and on a family conflict between Jacob and his father-in-law Laban. It is a story rich with intrigue when Laban had sought to swindle his son-in-law over a period of 20 years and in Jacob's own words had changed Jacob's wages 10 times. The account is about the time when their relationship was coming to an end and Jacob set his sight on returning to the land of his fathers. Jacob secretly and by stealth arranged to take his two wives, his 10 children, and the herd that he had amassed with him back to Canaan. He did so while his father-in-law Laban had gone to shear his sheep. Unbeknownst to Jacob, his wife Rachel, Laban's daughter, had stolen her father's household god, Teraphim, and hidden it. 
after three days, Laban discovered that Jacob had left <clears throat> with his wives and children and with his goats and sheep. And Laban also discovered that his household god, his teraphim, his superstitious charm had been stolen. So Laban chased Jacob and his caravan for seven days. He finally catches up with Jacob and his family and decides to conduct a search to find the teraphim. And as Jacob put it on pain of death of the one who stole it. Rachel had hidden the teraphim in the saddle of the camel on which she sat, she was riding and she was sitting on the teraphim. Laban, her father, was conducting a diligent search in order to find his teraphim. He comes to Rachel who is sitting on the saddle of the camel and is therefore sitting on the teraphim. Laban approaches Rachel and Rachel apologizes to her father Laban for not getting up because she claims she was having her period. The search ends without Laban having recovered the teraphim and with Jacob giving him a tongue lashing for daring to subject Jacob's wives and children and possession to a search. The two, however, make a pact for peace on solemn oath and call the name of the place Mizpah. May the Lord watch between us. By sitting on the teraphim, Rachel, for the first time in her life, stood up to her father. Her sitting down was a part of Jacob's standing up to his father-in-law, Laban, who had robbed him over 20 years. By sitting down, she stood up for peace in her family, run by two men who knew only cunning and deception and intrigue. Many people have difficulties with the account in Genesis 31, which is a story of two liars and what we call in Jamaica term, Ginals and Anansis. But a story suffused true and true with the idea that God was on the side of Jacob, whom God prospered, though he was a deceiver. Yet the story intends to show the characteristic superiority of Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of Laban, on whom Laban relied is a God that can be hidden, a God that need protection, but Yahweh is the God who carries God's people so they overcome and they flourish. In this way, standing up by sitting down is a form of resistance, which is an act of supreme confidence of faith. If you know the story of Jamaica, our foremothers and forefathers defeated chattel slavery, not so much by force of arms and by matching power with power, but by patient endurance and by resistance. Slavery was defeated not so much by grand marinage, 
put by petty mariners. Grand mariners was outright rebellion and open conflict. Petty mariners was more subtle. It was the day-to-day -day actions of non-cooperation. It was breaking up tools and equipment. It was working to rule. It was feigning illness. It was imposing limits on oneself to do less and to produce less. In the end, chattel slavery was defeated by the enslaved themselves who made slavery too unproductive to be economically viable. In a word, they stood up by sitting down. They laid a foundation for us, the Amaharets, the people of the soil who are powerless while being confronted by the overwhelming power by those who are slick and smug and who have been hoisted on their own petard. Those who have the financial resources, they have the support of the forces of law and perhaps more effectively than all, they control the narrative. They have the means of information. We cannot outmaneuver them. We cannot hurt them. We cannot outgun them or outargue them. The Taliban's are not the best examples to look up to, but one has to admire some things about them. The Taliban said to the Americans many years ago, you have the guns, but we have the time. We will wait you out. Rachel sitting down was standing up to her father for the first time in her life. She says it herself in this narrative discussing their option when Jacob told them that he was leaving, having been robbed by their father and taking all he had with him. Listen to the girls. Do we start, still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So they said to Jacob, do whatever God has told you. She had waited all her life for love. And she found love and love found her when Jacob came and her father made her wait 14 years for Jacob's hand. She no doubt resented it, but she does not say. This one, this is one of three stories in these ancestral narratives that confront patriarchy. The first is Hagar. The third is Thamar, and this is the second one. Each of them is a confrontation by women who would not accept the lot that patriarchy bequeathed to them. There was nothing more precious to Laban than his teraphim, as a point amply demonstrated by chasing Jacob for seven days to recover his stolen teraphim. Not the goats, not his daughters, not even his grandchildren, but his teraphim, his household god, on which he depended for protection 
and for good luck and prosperity. A God so dumb and deaf, it can be hidden in a camel's saddle and sat upon, and it cannot even call out in its own defense and say, here I am. Sitting on the teraphim was the ultimate humiliation and confrontation as to how shallow Laban was. Her sitting down was standing up. She never said a word. Her sitting down was standing, said it all, except to apologize and to claim she was seeing her period. Jacob also, in that moment, was given a chance to stand up to his father-in-law who had robbed him for 20 years when he labored like a slave and when his wages were changed 10 times, listened to him in his own voice. What is my crime, he asked Laban. How have I wronged you that you hunt me down? Now that you have searched through all my goods, what have you found that belongs to you, to your household? Put it here in front of your relatives and mine and let them judge between the two of us. Jacob said further, this it was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night and sleep fled from my eyes. I was like, it was like this for 20 years. I was in your household. I worked for 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you changed my wages 10 times. If God, the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the God, the fear of Isaac had not been with me. You would surely have sent me away empty-handed, but God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands. And last night he rebuked you. The humiliation of the searching of his family for the missing God was a bridge too far for Jacob. He confronted Laban and the two forged a truce. Never again will they be brought to blows. From here on, they would operate on a basis of mutual respect. Sometimes it takes a lifetime to get the moment to stand up. You do not always have to rush to get your four o'clock. Sometimes it calls for patient endurance. When the moment comes, it has to be grasped with both hands. How long will people be swindled and robbed generation after generation before we will stand up? This is what I see in Shingola and Shimbeshi and Molofura. Thirdly, and importantly, Rachel sitting down was standing up for her faith. This is a contest between the gods. Laban's God stolen, hidden, and he could not even recover it. Jacob's God speaks to Laban in his camp and in his sleep and tells him to say nothing to Jacob, good or bad, a warning sufficiently clear to Laban 
with, with which he complies. These ancestral narratives point, have a point to which they tell us the character and the nature of Yahweh, the God of Israel. And here it is not only outmanned and vulnerable Jacob, he prospers because of who his God is. But in this moment, the teraphim is sat upon and Yahweh roams unencumbered and free making promises, taking oath and rescuing God's own. I'm calling on us to stand up, not just for ourselves and not just for our families, but more so for our faith in these days to uncover the strategies of passive resistance. What do I mean by standing up, by sitting down? Sitting down is what you do when you are not even expending effort as you go along. I'm calling for a faith free from grandstanding and sound and fury signifying nothing. I'm calling for a faith more in the normal mode of living, steeped in who and what we are. Sitting is a position of repose. It is relaxed. It is not fighting up oneself. It is quite natural. The action by Rachel is thought out and disciplined. It is going for the jugular without appearing to do anything. We need to be subtle. We need to be thoughtful and not noisy. Rachel's action was effective. We like to announce ourselves too much. And the obstacles we are against are well-resourced and persistent. We have to be more subtle and disciplined when we are standing up to them. I named three things that I have seen that deserve to be resisted. One of them is the levels of poverty. There are too many ordinary people living in abject poverty. And we are too comfortable with the economic models that make human beings collateral damage strewn on the wayside of life. The other thing is youth unemployment. We should find a way to target youth employment in affirmative ways. And the third thing is what I call special needs children. A full 2% of the population are special needs children. I think we should stand up for them by concrete and specific steps we take in their name to provide a way for them. So let us stand up for ourselves. Let us stand up for our family. But above all, let us stand up for our faith. Amen.